This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Are you guys ready for the word? Could you do me a favor and make the biggest noise you can for the best senior pastors ever, Apostle Theo and Dr. Beverly Vomerantz? Come on. Come on, make sure they can hear you in San Antonio. Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev, we want to say thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I do not take it lightly. I hope I don't make you proud tonight. Hey, if you've got your Bible, won't you go over to Isaiah 9, verse 6. Isaiah 9, verse 6. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. And it says this. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Won't you look at your neighbor and say, Neighbor, it's time to make a Christmas decision. Okay, maybe you didn't like that neighbor that much. Go to the other neighbor. Say, other neighbor. It's time to make a Christmas decision. Won't you close your eyes? Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity that we get together. Lord, we understand and we know that there are countries around the world where it is illegal for people to gather like this under one name and under one banner. And so for that, Lord, we say thank you. Father, I make it publicly known that I do not rely nor depend on my own limited human abilities to teach here tonight, but I do rely on you, Holy Spirit, to speak through me and say exactly what you'd have your children hear. Lord, may every ear be open. Let every heart be receptive in Jesus' name. Father, you are a God of miracles. You are the God of the impossible. Please do it again tonight as Manchester United beats Liverpool in Jesus' name. And everybody say... Come on, I have the faith for it. I have the faith for it. My message tonight is titled Christmas Decisions. Christmas Decisions. During this time of year, we've got a lot of decisions that we have to make. One of those, specifically for me in this new season of being a parent, is what do you do with your children during the December school holidays? What do you do? Do you send them to jump? It's a little bit expensive. Do you send them to puppuccinos, maybe? No. Also expensive. Thank you, Pastor Johnny. Do you send them to Total Ninja? Just a disclaimer, we as a staff went to Total Ninja and we came back broken, bruised, maimed, okay? And it's not because of Total Ninja. It's because I think we're just a little too old. <laughs> so we went to Total Ninja. We didn't have the best time. But is that something you would do? Do you send your children to Total Ninja for the whole December holiday? I don't think you do. My parents, who are here tonight, have a foolproof plan for what you do with your children during the December school holidays. It was very simple, and it worked every single time. My parents, every December, would decide to ship those children off to the homelands. Can I get an amen? Ship those little rugrats, those little blessings, put them in a taxi and send them to Mafikeng. Every single December is what we did. And I promise you, they, we no longer became my parents' problem. We became my grandparents' problem. So as you look towards December, I've given you that all for free. You don't have to pay for it. You can maybe pay my parents. But that's what they did. It was a Christmas decision that they made. But here's the thing. We couldn't just enter Mafikeng looking dusty. Okay, we were the city kids, which meant that when we got to Mafikeng, we had to look like Michael Jackson was coming into town. Okay, we had to have our best on as we entered the city. 
And so every year what we would do is that we would do a pit stop before we went to Mafeking. We'd stop in my Aunt Tembi's hair salon in Hillbro. And if you've never been to an urban hair salon or a hair salon in the inner city, when you walk in there, what you will see is a picture of a rapper by the name of Ludacris. And right underneath there, you'll see a bunch of options of different haircuts that you can have. And so we really only truly had two options if you were a boy. The first one was more modest. It was for the humble child. It was for the child who the Spirit of the Lord is upon that child. And it was a brush cut, a very low brush cut. And then you just add a line just to make sure they don't mess you through when you get to Muffy Game. Just add a line for spazazz. The second haircut was for the more out there children, the naughty kids, the flamboyant kids, the kids that wanted it to be all about them. And that was the S-curl. Anybody remember the S-curl? Come on, somebody. The S-curl had the 90s down, man. Whether you looked, it was Nimrod and Corsi on the lotto, and he had the S-curl. When you watched Bafana Bafana, it was Benny McCarthy in the 18 area, and he had an S-curl. And so those were our two options. And as you guys know, I'm a very quiet child, so you know which hairstyle I chose. <laughs> so which hairstyle do you think I chose? <laughs> the brush cut, exactly, Pastor Andre. No, I chose the S-curl. And the thing about the S-curl is it's a very high-risk, high-reward haircut. Let me tell you, it's really a scientific experiment with the S-curl. It is just like baking, all ingredients and timing. If you get either wrong, it could have disastrous consequences for you. So step one of the S-curl is they would take a dollop of Vaseline and they would rub it along your hairline to make sure that the chemical did not burn your skin. Step number two is that they would have to make sure that there was no previous product inside your hair because if that product met the relaxer, it would cause a chemical reaction that you would not like. And step number three was the weight. Once that, vessel, once that relaxer was in your hair, you had to sit there and wait. And how you knew that the relaxer was working was that you would begin to smell your scalp burning. You'd begin to hear some crackles and some pops upon your head as the relaxer would begin to work. And you would sit there like me, squeaming and squirming in the seat. And they would look at you and say, son, beauty is pain. And so you'd have to just sit there and the escrow would be working. And then they'll take you to the wash bay and they'd wash the relaxer out of your hair. And then it was the moment of truth as if you're a judge on the voice and they would spin you around in the chair and you'd look dead into the mirror and they would wipe all of that off your head and you would look into the mirror and know, have I just made the worst decision of my life? You could either go into Muffy Gang looking like Benny McCarthy or you could enter Muffy Gang wearing a beanie. Those were your two options. Oftentimes it worked for me, but not so much for other people. But that is one Christmas decision that my parents would have to make every December. But for the rest of us, I'm sure there's many other Christmas decisions that we have to make. Like when does the Christmas tree go up? If you're my wife who loves Christmas, it goes up in July. <laughs> when does the Christmas tree go down? If you're like me who hates that tree, it goes down in July. Where do we have dinner? Do we have Christmas dinner at my house? Do we have Christmas dinner at your parents' place? Where do we take the Christmas photo? Is it inside? Is it outside? Is it next to the tree? I don't care. I just want to eat. These are all Christmas decisions that we have to make. 
But among all the fun and the festivities of this season, I don't know about you, but I begin to reflect upon the year that was. I started really think about 2023 and say, Lord, did I really dedicate myself? Did I really commit myself as much as what I said I would right at the beginning of the year? Did I meet my goals? Was I committed in my friendships and my relationships? Was I a good brother? Was I a good friend? And while I sit there and I wonder what 2023 was like, I begin to then say, Lord, is there one thing I could do that can make 2024 different? Just one thing. Now, you might not be like me, but I am a terrible gift giver. Terrible, 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 terrible gift giver. Because I always choose gifts that are practical. Excuse me. I always choose gifts that are practical. So I'll rather than get my wife a spa voucher so she can relax for a day, I would rather buy her an air fryer so she can cook me dinner forever. <laughs> Come on, give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Teach a man a fish, he eats for, look at all the husbands, they're like, yeah. I'm a terrible gift giver, terrible. But it's specifically because the gifts that I like, I like them to be like a three-in-one or a four-in-one, a gift that I can use over and over again. And as we read in Isaiah 9, 6, what I see there is that there's a gift that's been given to humanity. His name is Jesus, and he has fourfold attributes. With this gift, it's not just one simple gift, but because we get Jesus, we get these four different attributes. Tonight, we're going to go through them. And right at the end, we're going to look at 2024 and say, I need to make a better Christmas decision. Say, neighbor, it's time to make a Christmas decision. Firstly, the prophet Isaiah says that he will be a wonderful counselor. The Hebrew for that is that he would be supernatural, extraordinary, and he would have perfect wisdom. Perfect wisdom. Can you imagine that you would walk into a therapist's office or a counselor's office and they would say to you, hey, listen, before you sit down, let me tell you this, that everything you need to know, any question you might have, I have the answer. I am basically chat GPT in flesh form. It's impossible to find a therapist like that. In fact, if you do find a therapist that says that, run out of the room and recommend that that therapist get a therapist. <laughs> so what that means for us in this day and age is that Jesus is complete understanding. He's complete understanding. So when we're wondering, what is it that I do with my family? What is it that I do with my finances? What is it that I do with my job next year? Which university do I, do I go to? Which subjects do I choose? Jesus is complete understanding. In John 14, verse 26, it says, but the comforter, the counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you, come on, everybody say that together. He'll teach you all things. I can't speak Spanish, Portuguese, French, or Tosa very well, but I'm pretty sure that all means all in all those languages. So whatever it is that you're wondering about, whatever it is, hey, Lord, will I be able to conceive in 2024? Lord, what is your plan for our family? I am incurring. I am rather inviting you. I am encouraging you to trust Jesus to give you complete understanding in that area. Isaiah goes on to say that he is a mighty God. The Hebrew for that is that he is invincible. Nothing mightier than him. 
He's never lost and he's never been defeated. Our Savior has never made a match that is equal. Our Jesus is the champion. Come on, say, my Jesus is the champion. What that represents for us is strength in the struggle. Jesus is strength in the struggle. The word mighty can also be translated to mean hero. The Lord is the infinite hero for his people, the divine warrior who has triumphed over sin and death. Jesus is strength in the struggle. And a couple of weeks ago, we were able to do that thanks to you. A couple of weeks ago, we went and we had our annual orphans Christmas party. And thanks to your generosity, we were able to bless over a thousand orphans with age-specific gifts because of your generosity. Can we give Jesus praise for that? So good. You represented strength in the struggle of each and every one of those orphans. And here's the thing. Christian Family Church was not the hero. The welfare team was not the hero. I was not the hero. We were not the hero. Jesus was the hero of their story. Jesus is the reason they will remember. They'll say, I don't remember the person that gave me the toy. I don't really remember the name of the church that even came here. But what I do remember is that they told me about a man by the name of Jesus. And he's a superhero like no other. And because Jesus exists, I can go on to my next year knowing that I am loved eternally. You did that. Thanks to your generosity, that person's life was changed and you represented strength in the struggle. Say, my God is a mighty God. Psalm 95 verse 3 says, For the Lord is a mighty God, a mighty king over all the gods. He rules over the whole earth, from the deepest caves to the highest hills. He rules over the sea which he made, the land also which he himself formed. Come, let us bow down and worship him. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. He is our God. We are the people he cares for, the flock for which he provides. Say, Jesus loves me. This I know. Number three, Isaiah prophesies and says that this child, this Messiah, would be an everlasting father. In the Hebrew, that means that there's no end to his fathering. What that means for us today is that he is a forever love. The word everlasting can also mean everywhere present. He has the divine attributes of both eternity and omnipresence as he rules upon the throne of David and within the hearts of the redeemed. You see, child of God, you and I are loved forever. I don't know what your past is like. I don't know what you've been through. But I'm here to remind you that Jesus loves you long time. Jesus loves you long time. He represents a forever love. That is what the prophet Isaiah is saying. What this also represents for us today is protection and provision. Because back then in ancient times when somebody was a father of the nation, what that meant was that his role was very similar to that role of a father in a family. That that person would provide and protect those children. And so as Isaiah writes that he would be the everlasting father, what he is saying is that this child to be born would be a king who would be a father to the children of Israel. That he would protect and provide for them. And not only for them, but for us too. You see, 700 years later, that prophecy was fulfilled because that child would become God in the flesh. That child would be the second person of the Trinity who would protect and provide for his people by his death and by his resurrection. Our God is an everlasting father. 
He's an everlasting father. You haven't run too far. You haven't gone too far. You haven't sinned too much that he would never love you. He's still there waiting for you, waiting to receive you, waiting to put a robe over your shoulders, waiting to put a ring on your finger and sandals on your feet. Child of God, Jesus loves you. Maybe we don't hear that enough in church circles. We hear about many other attributes, but if I could put it simply to you, Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. And when Isaiah prophesies about this child to be born in a manger, that child would then grow up and he would represent love as he went to the cross and die for people that might even reject him. It says this in Galatians 4 verse 6, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So we are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Say, I am an heir with Christ. Lastly, Isaiah prophesies and says that he will be the prince of peace. The Hebrew for that is that he reconciles all things. He comes to bring order. He restores order to all things. You see, family, where sin has disturbed, where sin has broken, where sin has troubled, where sin has brought pain, Jesus comes to reconcile it. He was born to die so that we could live. He is the Prince of Peace. What that means for us today is that He's a right now Savior. His reign would be characterized by shalom, by health, by well-being, by prosperity, by happiness. But family, here's the thing. Jesus guaranteed peace, but he did not guarantee ease. In fact, he says in John 16, that in this world that you would have troubles, you would have trials, you would have tribulations, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Isaiah 4 verse 6 says that we should be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Make our requests known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard both our hearts and our mind. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He has the authority to give peace. I look at the world around me. I see what they're doing. I see what's happening in the clubs out there. I see what's happening in the streets out there. I'm scrolling in, on social media and I am worried and I am concerned. All I see is a broken world and all I can see them looking for is peace. So they go to drugs to find peace. They go to alcohol to find peace. They go to cigarettes to find peace. They go to sex to find peace. But child of God, you will never find peace in those things. Those things are temporary. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Colossians 3 verse 15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. This, on the screens, is a picture of Earthrise, one of the most influential and famous pictures ever taken. It was taken by an astronaut by the name of Bill Anders on the Apollo 8 spacecraft. But the story behind that picture is very interesting because six weeks before the picture was to be taken, a Christmas decision had to be made. NASA told these astronauts, Bill Anders, Jim Lovell, and Frank Borman, 
they said, hey, listen, when you orbit the moon, it will be a television broadcast that will go out to millions and billions of people. It'll be the first time that humans would hear the sound of a single human voice across that many continents. And so NASA said to these astronauts, we need you to say something appropriate when you come and you go around the moon. And so these astronauts said, fine, okay, we will do that. We'll do that. So what they did was they went and they tried to pen something appropriate to say as they orbited the moon. They could come up with nothing. So they outsourced the project and they gave it to a man by the name of Cy Morgan. He was in Washington and he was a writer himself. And they said, Cy, please help us. Can you write this thing for us? Cy Morgan, with all of his experience, could come up with nothing. So he outsourced the project as well. And Cy Morgan gave it to a man by the name of Joseph Layton. And Joseph Layton went to write this as well because he too was a writer. So Joseph Layton begins to pen and write down things that these astronauts could say as they came and they orbited around the moon. But guess what? He could come up with nothing. Until one night, his wife would come down the stairs and all the ladies said, his wife would come down the stairs and would see him with crumpled up pieces of paper everywhere. And she said to him, Joseph, how are you still trying to write this note? He said he couldn't come up with anything. He couldn't come up with anything appropriate. You see, she was a French resistance writer and she was brought up in a convent in France. And so Joseph Layton's wife looked at him and said this, Joseph, why don't you start at the beginning? And so on the Christmas Eve, the 24th of December, 1968, those astronauts decided to make this Christmas decision. We're now approaching uh, lunar sunrise. And uh, for all the people back on Earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message that we would like to send to you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. God saw that it was good. And from the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you. 
That's what they decided to say. In the beginning, God, against the backdrop of a Vietnam War and a looming Cold War, these three astronauts decided to speak Genesis over the whole planet. And just for those two minutes, it was like peace began to descend upon the planet Earth. So friend, I ask you, I don't know what war you're going through. I don't know what's looming in 2024. But if you'll say in the beginning, God, Lord, I give you 2024. Lord, I give you my family. Lord, I give you my job. In the beginning, God, a peace that surpasses all understanding will come upon every area of your life. In the beginning, God, as we make Christmas decisions about a lot of things right now, as we make bad decisions about getting into debt to impress family members that'll never see you again, won't you make the most important decision in your life right now and say in 2024, I will not be the same person. In 2024, I will choose to commit myself to coming back to church again because my family is frazzled. My family is disconnected. I don't know why. My children don't listen to me anymore. Child of God, could it be that since COVID and you got comfortable sitting at home and watching services there, that your kids did not hear the Word of God and now things are starting to fall apart? So I encourage you, Choose to know God in 2024. Or maybe you're saying, Clive, I live a life of isolation. I live a life all alone. I don't need people. People have hurt me. Clive, you don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand what they said about me. Friend, life is not supposed to be lived that way. Life change happens in the context of community. It happens in the context of small groups. So I know that you've heard and you've seen all of the adverts and we've tried to push you and nudge you in a certain direction. But could that be the answer? That you would find yourself in a small group with people who love you. You feel trapped by an addiction that you can't come out of. In our small groups, we choose to bestow beauty instead of ashes. We will proclaim freedom to the prisoners. Won't you make the Christmas decision and say, you know what? In 2024, I'm gonna try that small groups thing out. Or maybe you're here today and you say, Clive, I lost my job. I'm a father, I'm a mother. And my identity was so intertwined with my job that I don't know who I am. I don't know what value I have to my family anymore. I don't know what to do. I don't know what my purpose is. We as a church would love to help you. I know you hear about growth track every single week and it's like white noise sometimes for you, but I'm asking you, won't you make a Christmas decision to put God first and say, you know what? Let me go to growth track. It's happening the first weekend in January, the 7th of January. Go to growth track and discover why you're here or maybe discover again why you're here. Or maybe you're saying, hey, Clive, listen, I hear about all that cool stuff that you guys do in the serve days and the welfare stuff, but I don't really have the time. Could 2024 be the year that we might see you at the door greeting people? Could 2024 be the year that we see you pouring coffee? Could 2024 be the year where we see you giving out toys to orphans, making a difference, being the hands and feet of Jesus? You see, friend, I don't know what 2024 has for you, 
or has in store for you. I don't know what war you're going through. I don't know what looms in the next year. But I guarantee you this, that if you decide to choose Jesus, if you make a Christmas decision like those astronauts to put God first, I guarantee you wonderful counsel from the Holy Spirit. I guarantee you mighty intervention from a mighty God. I guarantee you a love that would last forever from a God that loves you. And I guarantee you a peace that surpasses all understanding. With every head bowed and every eye closed. This is not an altar call. This is an opportunity for you to make a decision. You're tired year after year. It's December again and nothing has changed. You're still in the same spot you found yourself in January. If while you've been sitting here tonight, you've said, you know what, Lord, I'm gonna do things different. Clive, I hear what you're saying. Clive, I wanna commit 2024 to the Lord right now. Again, this is not an altar call. I just wanna pray for you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that is you, if you're saying 2024 is gonna be different for me, could you just raise your hand so I can see you? I just wanna pray for you. Thank you for those hands. 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 I just wanna see you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you online, in the other rooms. Won't you just raise your hands right now? And you can put your hands back down. I just wanna pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every single person that has decided to make a Christmas decision today. As they've decided while sitting here and listening to your word that 2024 would be different. That Father, you would give them the strength, that you would give them the motivation and the inspiration to follow through on the decision they've made. Lord, I declare that as they choose to commit their lives to you again, that they will experience a peace that surpasses all understanding, that they would feel love, Lord God, that they would experience true counsel from the Holy Spirit, and that their 2024 would be completely different. In Jesus' name, with heads bowed and eyes closed, please, the most important decision you can ever make in your life is the decision to say yes to Jesus. You see, child of God, this life is temporary. It's like a vapor. And you don't wanna leave this building not knowing whether or not you're right with God. So I'm gonna give you an opportunity to make right tonight. If you're saying, Clive, I wanna know more about Jesus, I wanna know who this Jesus person is. In, an in, an, in a moment, we're gonna pray together. But I'm really asking you to check your heart. Or perhaps you're saying, Clive, I've, I've been a Christian for years, but I've gone astray. I've backslidden and I'm not committed as I used to be. I wanna come back. Child of God, this is your night. This is the night where everything changes. Listen to me, this is the night where everything changes. Or perhaps you're saying, Clive, I'm not too sure. I'm not sure that if I leave these doors and I go away to my holiday destination, that if something were to happen, that heaven would be my home. I'm not sure where I'm gonna go. If that is you at any of those three calls, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand real high. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know who you are. I don't have to come down to you. I'm not gonna ask you to come up here. 
Won't you raise your hand now in faith? Just keep your hand raised until one of our dream teamers makes their way to you and puts their hand on your shoulder. Thank you for that hand at the back. I see you. I see you. As soon as someone puts their hand on your shoulder, you can put your hand back down. I don't want to prolong this much longer. You know who you are. Your palms are sweating right now. Your heart is beating louder than it ever has before. He's calling you, child of God. So I'm going to give you one last opportunity. Is that, if that is you, one, two, three. Raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Now you might ask, Clive, how does this happen? The book of Romans says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, that we would be saved. So we're just going to pray a simple prayer and you will know that heaven is your home. And you're not only going to pray that prayer by yourself, but we're all going to pray this prayer together. Come on, let's say, Heavenly Father, we can do better than that. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for me. I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. And after three days, he rose again to give me a life of victory and a life of freedom. Say, Holy Spirit, make my heart your home. Say, I choose tonight to forgive every person who's ever hurt me and who's ever wronged me. This is the first day of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.